Are you tired of spinning your wheels with ineffective marketing strategies? Do you dream of finding a way to grow your business while also giving back to your community? Well, have you thought about charitable auctions? Maybe you've tried them in the past and you feel stuck because you're tired of donating to auctions that haven't gone that well. Either the winners never bothered to redeem their gift certificates or the ones who did were so price sensitive that you wished you'd never heard from them in the first place. Or maybe you've wanted to try auction marketing, but you don't know where to start and the thought of a bunch of trial and error makes you want to lay down and take a nap. Well, we've just launched our brand new course, Rework Your Marketing with Charitable Auctions. In this course, you'll gain access to a comprehensive course that has been meticulously crafted over 18 years of our own trial and error in our portrait studio in the trenches of charitable auctions. In this course, we dive deep into the world of charitable auction marketing and uncovering the secrets to our success with this. From setting clear goals to identifying the best charities for your business, we'll show you how to navigate this powerful marketing strategy with confidence. But that's not all. You're also going to receive a treasure trove of exclusive resources, including customizable templates, vendor recommendations, and tracking spreadsheets. Picture this. You donate a portrait session to a local charity auction. Not only does your donation attract the attention of your ideal clients, but it also helps support a cause that you're passionate about. And with the tools and insights provided by this course, you'll be able to turn those auction winners into lifelong clients. So whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, now is the time to rework your marketing strategy with charitable auctions. Visit our website today, dotherework.com forward slash auctions, and take the first step toward transforming your business and making a difference in your community. Welcome to The Rework with Allison Tyler-Jones, a podcast dedicated to inspiring portrait photographers to uniquely brand, profitably price, and confidently sell their best work. Allison has been doing just that for the last 15 years, and she's proven that it's possible to create unforgettable art and run a portrait business that supports your family and your dreams. All it takes is a little rework. Episodes will include interviews with experts from in and outside of the photo industry, mini workshops, and behind-the-scenes secrets that Allison uses in her portrait studio every single day. She will challenge your thinking and inspire your confidence to create a profitable, sustainable portrait business you love through continually refining and reworking your business. Let's do the rework. Welcome back to the rework. Today's guest is our very favorite, Catherine Langsford from Photos by Catherine in Vancouver, Canada. And we are going to talk about redefining success, how we defined success when we were earlier in our career, in our businesses, and how we're defining success now, and how we are actually creating space in our lives for our mental health, for our families and ultimately how to best serve our very best clients and to be our highest and best selves for them. I think you're going to find a lot of value in this conversation, a little bit of inspiration, always some good tips and tricks that you can use in your own business 
But maybe the most important thing you can find is that you're not alone in your crazy and some of the neuroses that might haunt you with regards to your business and how we can better structure our businesses to support our lives versus the other way around. Well, it's 2022 and we could not begin this year without my dear friend and fellow photographer, Catherine Langsford. Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm so glad that you're here. So you and I have over the last, I would say six months to a year, we've been really talking about a topic that uh, is, I think we could probably bring it, break it down into redefining success. Right. Really been looking at that in our businesses, in our life, that sort of thing. And I think it's appropriate at the top of the year to look at how you and I are getting to that from different, maybe even different paths or that sort of thing. So thoughts and feelings. Yeah. I mean, you know, both of us having been in business for, you know, two decades ish, I think I I know speaking for myself, my view of what a successful business is has really changed as has my life. So at at some points along that path, success was high sales averages. Success was the phone ringing a lot. Mm. You know, success was a really full calendar. All of those things uh, meant something to me. And to some extent, I was stressed if, if, if I didn't have that. But now I can say, I mean, you know, jumping to 22 years in business, almost 23, um, I would say success is that I, you know, I, I count on my business to be able to afford me the life that I want to live with my family in even simple ways, like being able to say, you know what, my kid needs me to take the week off. Mm-hmm. Or I need to be home by the time she's home from school every day. Like even those ways. I mean, there's the fun ways, like, you know, we can take a great vacation every day or we could, you know, remodel part of our home or sure. get a new vehicle. But then there's then there's the other ways that really make a difference too. You know, uh, maybe I'm I'm you know orchestrating my calendar or my uh, workflow so that I can be there for my child more than I needed to before. So I love that. Well, I think we're also understanding ourselves in a different way because when we for you 23 years ago, for me you know 16 years ago coming into the business and I was coming out of another business, but defining success meant, you know, if you're in business, it's money, it's, it's top line revenue or bottom line revenue or whatever metric you want to use. And I think the two things that you said that I hear photographers say a lot is full calendar and the phone's ringing. And to me, those two things mean busy. Yeah that we, we get addicted to busy, just to being busy. And we don't necessarily look too closely at, are we busy doing what we want to do? And is this busyness supporting the things that are really the most important to us? And we quit the corporate hustle or whatever, working for somebody else because we wanted to have autonomy. For me, that word is always in every personality test that I take is number one is I want autonomy. I want freedom to do the things that I want to do. But I found that I had created a business that was very busy, that made me very busy, but I was missing kids games. I was missing, I I think I missed out on a couple of years of my kids' lives. It feels like when I look back at some of that. So does that ring true for you? You know, let's go, let's go back a few years and kind of lead up to maybe to where we are now. hundred percent. 
I think I sort of had this busy goal in my, in my mind. I wasn't necessarily having a goal of being busy, but I was having a goal of having a full calendar and just lots of running around and the phone always ringing and no, no downtime because I thought that would be, that would mean that we are a a fully, we're at full capacity, which is where I wanted to be. Sure. And And, and it's glorified in everything that you look at or read, right? It's it's like, how do you make the phone ring? Yeah. And even speaking with other business people, you know, I, I looked at the example that they are, they weren't setting necessarily this example, but I would see them as being as busy as I want to be, even though I mm-hmm. don't know about what's happening for them. I could have been an illusion they were creating. Right. And so that manifested itself. I did become that busy. And as you said, it wasn't always busy with the right things. It wasn't. And, and I was so busy. I didn't have time to look at that. Mm-hmm. So I would just be sort of running, chasing, trying to finish up what's on what's what's on the pile, staying late at work and to an extent was very satisfied by that mm-hmm. for a few years like oh wow I'm so busy this it's it's addictive feels it feels good totally um, it felt good the money was coming in but i i was too busy to look at is there enough money coming in to justify how much time i'm spending doing right it? and am i spending my time efficiently am i doing things that over time and over my relationship with you and looking at other sources of sort of education and so forth, I've looked at how I spend my time and whether the things I do really need to be done by me. So before I had a chance to look at that, I was, yeah, just running around, answering the phone, running here, running there, dropping this off, picking this up. And um, it felt like it was where I wanted to be. But after a while, I realized, you know, I actually only made this much more than I made last year when I was less busy or, right. or I might realize I'm where I want to be. You know, I think I'm where I want to be in terms of like, you know, how much work I'm taking in, but my family's really suffering. Yes. Like, you know, I'm not, I'm not home until way too late. And um, the weekends are, I'm still checking my email on the weekends or I'm still answering people on the weekends. And um, so I needed to reevaluate that. In my case, I was forced to reevaluate that because of a couple of family issues. And uh, I, I was able to luckily see some, some changes I need to, needed to make. But um, I yeah. love that. Kim Wiley, our mutual friend, uh, one of the things that she said to me oh, probably five years ago, we were talking about numbers and that sort of thing as we would do. And, and she's like, okay, that's great. That's awesome. Your studio is doing well. How, how many hours did you work last year? And I'm like, I don't know. I mean, how do you figure that out? You know, she's like, no, just sit down and figure out how many hours you worked last year. So I, I try, I did that. I didn't really want to look at that. I think I was like, had a mental block against actually looking at that, but I went through and I looked and, and especially once Ivan came into the business and quit his job and came to work with me, then we have all the eggs in the basket and then there's two of us. And so it's like, that's two salaries, you know? And so I, I did look at how much time we were spending and I thought, oh my gosh, like this is not as great as I thought it was supposed to be, you know? And so if we're going to spend this amount of time, it needs to be more, or maybe we just don't want to spend this much time. Maybe we need to make it like you're saying, make things more efficient and be able to carve out the time to look at your life and be able to look at things, just even taking that time to look at how many hours I worked requires time to do that. You know, and I, I see this with my younger employees, I think like that thirties, late thirties, early forties, you finally get to at some point, one way or another, we're going to have people will have experience in their life 
that will let you realize you are not an inexhaustible resource. You are not a machine that can just be turned on and can run 24 hours a day or run 80 hours a week or whatever. At some point, either your body's going to pack up, a kid's going to have a problem, there's going to be a health crisis in your family, something's going to happen in your life to where you realize my life is so packed full. I don't have a like Seinfeld reference. I don't have a square to spare. I don't have one second. You know, I, I will look at my calendar and every minute is booked and there's no minutes booked for just thinking or breathing or whatever. Yeah. And so to share a little bit personally, I was at that point as well. And then it just started backfiring on me. I, I started um, to just have, you know, problems with my mental health problems. Yeah. yeah. Problems, uh, problems in my family caused by the fact that I couldn't be entirely present. And then of course there was a reset cause somewhat caused by crisis in my family, but I was still fighting it at that point. Mm-hmm. I was still trying to get back in there as a, you know, trying to find a way that I could get back in there and get it back going up. But the great reset of course, of the pandemic is when I really, that forced time off is when I really realized like, this is what I'm doing everything for. I'm supposed to be doing everything so I can be here. Yeah. Like I forgot, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think I felt like I need to be busy. I need to be accomplishing. I need to be producing. Yeah. And I, I don't, I was doing that so that I could afford this life I wanted for my family. And then I became convinced that I was doing it for itself, if that makes sense. Right. <laughs> And so the pandemic reminded me of that. And honestly, I, I, I'd forgotten. Uh, I'd lost the plot, so to speak. Yeah. Well, and I, I think, I don't know that I ever knew. I, I don't know that I ever was at a place where I knew what I was doing it for. I just thought, well, this is what you do. You, you're, you work hard and you kill yourself and you try for success and you just, I mean, all the books, all the, you know, all the people that you listen to, you know, self-improvement, all that is like, go, 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 go and do better, do more and just keep striving. And for me, all the similar things, you know, for sure. I think the pandemic made everybody kind of take a pause and look at their life. When, when I was creating the art of selling art course that we launched last year, I started with the very first lesson and, and I was, so I was talking to Ivan, my husband, and I'm like, okay, I just want to run this by you and see, you know, what you think. Like, I think the first thing kind of needs to be you need to decide like, you know, what, what are the decisions you need to make about your business? Like you need to decide what kind of clients you want to work with. You need to decide how much money you want to make. And you need to decide, you know, how do you want to do business? Do you want it to be like a luxury business? Do you want it to be like quick and fast? You know? So I was kind of going through all of this and he's looking at me, kind of giving me this puzzle look. And he's like, well, so I said, he says, is there anything else? And I'm like, well, no, those are like the three things. What else, you know, what do you think is missing? He's like, well, what are you even doing it for? Like, why even do all of that? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what do you mean? Why do all of that? Because you're, you'll get your session averages more and you'll get more clients and you'll get better clients and you'll have a cool business and it'll be (laughs) amazing or whatever. And he's like, but why? And I'm like, I don't understand the words coming out of your mouth. Right. And he's like, it's just, you know, you've always kind of had this thing is that you work, work, work and more, 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 but what's the point of all of that? If you can't have the freedom, like if we can't go on a vacation or if we can't, like you said, cut and run, go pick up a kid from school, whatever, what's the point of that? And that's the metaphor also for our relationship. He's much more like enjoy the journey and I'm a destination girl, you know? So 
anyway, but that, that really hit me between the eyes. Cause I just thought, yeah, what is it all for? Yeah. And that forced reset that I mentioned with regard to the pandemic that helped me to see something that had been presenting itself to me for years. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, maybe I had to, uh, my husband was not well for a period of time. So there would be times when I would be pulled out of work and just have to drop everything and go. And it was as much as, of course, I'm going to do that. that There was no question I was going to do it. But the feeling of being like ripped away thing that I just had to finish, like it just felt so frustrating. And on some level, I felt like a failure. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't keep it all going. I can't keep my family and my business going the way I want to. And I felt like what's missing? What am I doing wrong? Why is this so hard? And then finally, I I think, you know, over the last year and a half, I felt like, okay, wait a second. It's a success and a privilege that I'm in a situation where I can leave and handle something and be there for who needs me most and then come back and finish things at my own pace because I'm the one who created this and I can make the decisions about how it runs. So if I need, for example, big picture, if I need to take my workflow period, my production workflow period from six weeks and make it eight weeks, I can do that. Sure. So I don't have this pressure like, oh my God, there's this deadline that I'm going to miss if I leave and my kid needs this this week. I can just expand the production timeline so that I can have a bit more breathing room because my family needs a bit more right now. Mm -hmm. I can do that. Or I can decide that, you know, these five things need my attention and the rest of it is just going on the back burner and I'm not thinking about it anymore. Like I just had to have a mind shift because in my mind, I have to get everything done. Everything needs my attention. If I'm pulled away, then that means things are going to suffer. I mean, those things aren't necessarily true. I had to, I had to really take a look at that and it has brought great satisfaction to really internalize that new way of of looking at things. So do you have any voices in your head while you started picking that apart? So let's go back to health crisis, husband health crisis. Okay. Because I remember that and we were having those conversations and you were having to go and, you know, help him through different things and having to leave. And at the same time, you were like, I'm going to teach myself pro select and I'm going to learn this. So at the same time that you were being pulled away and having to, you know, help him, which of course you would never not do. You were also like, you were not slacking it out at all, you know, Mm -hmm. but you were trying to do both things. Yeah. So I don't think I asked the question correctly, but I guess voices in my head when I kind of, when I have tried to slow down in the past or tried to not fill every moment with something has been, you're a slacker. That's not successful. You're not successful unless you're busy every second of every day. Did you have voices like that? Million percent. Yes. I mean, I would say from the very beginning of running my business that the ongoing sort of loop in my head was you're not working hard enough. Mm -hmm. You're lazy. You're, you know, if you're not achieving what you're supposed to be achieving, then you're doing everything wrong. You know, lots of very critical voices, mostly to do with not doing enough. Okay. And so, of course, my family, I would always have said that my family is number one. But when I prioritized my family over work, there was a background voice telling me, you're dropping balls. Mm-hmm. Not, you're not working as hard as you should be. You're, you're not making this work. So <laughs> it was really, um, I would say, okay, those voices aren't entirely gone. But now that I've seen them, now that I've become aware of them, I can't unsee that. Mm -hmm. And so I catch myself 
I catch myself, you know, saying something like that to myself, like you're, you're slacking off or, you know, maybe over, over Christmas, I made the decision, like, I'm going to stop a week early for Christmas. I'm not going right up to Christmas Eve. I'm going to stop a week early and I'm going to take that whole time off. Right. With the exception of two big shoots that were qualified. Right. Of course. (laughs) Those exceptions. Yes. Same, same. Um, so that that voice was a little bit there, like two and a half weeks, like really, honestly. But a louder voice was, I need this. My family needs this. I'm yeah. going to be better if I do this. Yeah. I'm going to be better for everybody if I do this. And I deserve this. I've been busting my ass in here for a long time. Right. Yeah. And I, I deserve this. I deserve this job, quote, to be what I want it to be. And I've earned the right to make it what works for me. And that's not taking away from anyone. I think in the past, I felt that that was going to take away from my clients. That was going to take away from what I was giving them. It's not, you know, because another part of this period of change for me has been honing in on who are my best clients, who deserves all my attention. There are less of them than there were before. Right. And they get more of me than I gave before. So there's a lot less of them than there were before. Like in the past, I was maybe, I don't know, 120 sessions a year. Right. And now I'm more like 60 to 80. Mm -hmm. And uh, they get a lot from me. I'm in touch with them a lot more through the process. I'm giving them a kind of individual attention that I did not have time to give before. It's not that I didn't want to. It's that the dates just kept creeping up on me. And it's like, oh my gosh, they're here for their session tomorrow. But now... Before the session, I've checked in on them. Are you okay with clothing? Do you need me, you know, do you need any suggestions? Also, it helps me to enforce my process more, not enforce like I'm some sort of, <laughs> but it helps, yes. to, it helps me to execute my process more, more intentionally. So yes, that, ex- execute is a much softer word than enforce. Yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so much softer. Okay. I know. Yes. Exactly. So for example, the pre-session consult, the pre-session quote, making sure we've got everything nailed down before the session. That's a revolutionary part of my process that quite honestly, I did not have time to properly execute in the past because it was just session after session after session. And I just didn't, you need brain space to do that. Yeah. So all of those things have been markedly improved by me working with less people. Yep. Well, and I think this is a timely time to have this conversation because this January, historically for most portrait photographers, at least in the Northern hemisphere of the world, tends to be a slower time, especially if you're someplace cold. And we always kind of beat ourselves up about that. We're coming off of the, the, like, the lull of the holidays, you know, the busy time. But could we use this time to do exactly what we're talking about, to really reevaluate and think, you know, I don't know if I want to do business like this anymore. I don't know if I want to be this busy. Am I taking the time to look at my processes, to look at how I'm working with my clients? And am I giving just exactly what you're saying? Am I, am I able to show up as my highest and best self for each one of my clients? And if I'm not, if I'm just running around doing a lot of little for a lot of different people, probably the answer to that is no. Uh-huh. And so that does take time. And so I think a lot of this has been for you and I, we are, I'll use your term. You always say we're diamond polishers. You're, we're just always polishing the diamond. So it, no matter how good it gets, there's always a way that it could be better. And I think that thing that we have in common and other friends of ours who have similar businesses to ours, that is something that has been helpful and got us to this point is that 
if you're constantly thinking, how can I make it better rather than just how can I make it busier? You're going to come to that, you know, and then life teaches you, of course, lessons. And so the benefit to me of this conversation for anyone that's listening to this podcast is be smarter, quicker, younger than we are. Yeah. So when you hear people talking about balance, which I don't really think balance exists, at least in my life, I have seasons and periods of crazy and then followed by seasons of less crazy, but I'm trying to build in to carve out time. And so what I'm realizing is that when I am looking at a calendar, I have to carve out time physically on a calendar, say, okay, I'm not working Fridays or whatever, you know, because when you and I first got to be friends and stuff, you were shooting every weekend. Yeah. That, that was probably one of the first steps being able to make this shift was taking myself off weekends. And of course I had in my mind, like my clients won't want to book if it's not weekends. And I mean, I just thought it would work. And thanks to you for repeatedly urging me to Well, I just wanted you to, I wanted a friend on the no weekend track because when I started into portrait photography, most of the education was being taught by men who are, were amazing photographers and had amazing businesses. And they were always talking about, you know, well, if you're shooting portraits, that's families, then you have to be shooting on the weekend. All those, most of those men also had wives that were at home making their life happen on the family front or whatever, I don't have that luxury. I have a great, amazing husband, but it's just not the same, you know? So I think as we, even with this conversation, uh, we're, I don't know, we're not that old, but we're kind of that first gen post feminist. And so we've have a lot of privilege that have been given to us, you know, by the, the women that have gone before and that have carved out a lot of our privileges. But I think uh, we still have a lot of that, well, we need to do it like the boys have done it. And we really don't. And the boys don't even need to be doing it like the boys have done it. You know, you can still be a human being and be a family person and be there for your kids. You know, whether you're male, female, they, them, doesn't matter how you identify. If you want to be there for your family and you want to be a human being and you want to have a life and have freedom, you can create a business that supports your life rather than your life supporting your business. Yeah, exactly. And that, and I feel closer to that now, which is just such a great feeling. Like the business is supporting the life that I want. Yeah. But that was not without a ton of risk because we've had so many conversations on so many levels of fear of, I mean, not just talking about the pandemic, this was pre pandemic was I have got to be here for my husband during this health crisis. And then there were, you know, then we have kids. So there were, you know, there's always a kid crisis here or there blooming. How am I going to do this? How am I going to do it? But I think one of the things I really learned from listening to you, and when I think back to those conversations is there was, you would say, I just have to do this. I can't not be here for her during this time. Yeah. And so when you say something like that, somehow things, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, and you all combine your, you start to select for those things. Okay. If I need to be here for a kid and I have to pick her up at school because it's essential that I pick her up at school every single day at three o'clock, how am I going to work my work schedule? What were some of the things that you did to make that happen? Because that that's, that's what happened for you is you needed to pick her up every day. Yeah. I needed to pick her up every day. I needed to not go into work until she had already left for school. So it's not, because in the past I would go in at like six in the morning so that I could leave at 2 PM and it 
but no, I had to. So, so my day was really shortened and it's a 45 minute commute for me. So my day was short. Wow. And then I also was committed to taking Mondays and Fridays off. So that was just like reducing my work hours drastically. One big thing I did was took a hard look at like, what is the stuff that really needs me mm-hmm. and how can I get rid of all the rest? Mm-hmm. So I did a little bit of that through the years, but now I really did that. If something doesn't a hundred percent need me, I'm giving it to somebody else. I love that. Um, yeah. I also was really particular with my calendar, like not overfilling the week. Like I, I would just, you know, in the past, I would just like slot people in until the week was full and then go to the next week. Now I have thought in my mind, you know, I can handle this many sessions a week. I can handle this many view and orders a week. And I need time to work on, you know, the client communication I want to do and the, mm-hmm. you know, the quote generation I want to do in the rest of those hours. So once I figured out the math in terms of how many sessions and meetings I can take, I don't fill in the rest of the space. I go to the next week, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I don't fill my time with client appointments. I leave right. a lot of blank space so that I can do what I need to do in the time I need to do it and give clients the attention they need. And so what that means is I'm booking myself further and further out, which, you know, a byproduct of that is it makes me more desirable in my client's point of view. Like, you know, when my office calls them to set an appointment, the first available appointment might be four weeks away. Right. So that creates this sense of urgency with the client, like, oh, she's really busy. Oh, I got to get in there. And then that actually spreads throughout their friend group. Oh, she's super busy. You got to call her early. So, I mean, that's a happy little... Right. That's a, that's a part. That's a, a side the benefit. Perk. Yeah. The perk because yeah. So I, I mean, things like that made it work. And there's also, there's something that happens when, you know, you have to do something. It's not a choice. Right. So I'm not sitting there battling in my head, like, should I shorten my week? Should I leave at 2 PM? What would happen if I did? So I'm not even thinking that way. You're like, okay, this has to happen. How this could I do it? Yeah. This is happening. How, what can I do between 10 AM and 2 PM to maximize you know, my time and make sure that I'm doing everything properly? Right. Well, and how we do it is I set aside a production day every week. That is no, there's no client contact to be scheduled on that day. You know, I set aside shoot days. I set aside view and order yeah. days. And then there are other days that just have nothing so when I put a shoot day on the calendar or a view and order day, my employees know they can book me for those days, but then everything else has to have approval because otherwise, so that builds that space in there yeah. for me. So, so it's kind of a similar thing, but you know, anybody listening to this, that is not in crisis right now, that might have just come off of the busiest season you've ever had, which is a few, quite a few photographers I've talked to have talked about how like, wow, it was so crazy. It was so busy. And you're wanting to get a handle on things and maybe review, redefine success for yourself and maybe redefine your calendar. And I would say, ask better questions. You know, it's just like what you said is you said, I'm not asking a question of what would it look like if I had to leave it to you're saying I have to leave it to, and I have, I can't be in until 10 or whatever the, the time frame is. And I can only work these days because of what's going on in my life. Well, even if you don't have something going on in your life, think about that. Think, do I have to have client contact scheduled every single day of the week or can I group these more? And so you would say, what, what always happens when you would ask that question? Well, well, people just want that. Everybody said that they wanted Saturday or everybody said they had to have Tuesday afternoon at four or whatever, but if it's not available on your calendar, it can't be booked. No, and that, that I saw that when I made the switch to offering people weekdays instead of weekends, I right away doubled my rate for weekends 
and immediately clients just switched to weekdays. Yeah. Like it was not hard. Mm-hmm. It was easy. I had very little pushback. I still have people ask for weekends, mm-hmm. but then I just tell them, I, I do book them. They're right. you know, build at a premium. Oh yeah, that's fine. We'll do it Thursday. Sure. If they yeah. Yeah, and we're not we're not orthodontists where they have to come in every four weeks to get their braces adjusted. This is like a once a year for some clients, yeah. every other year, every three yeah. years. Like this is not something where they've got to come a bunch of times, you yeah. know. And it's special, and things that are special, you schedule pretty far ahead of time, and you plan for, you make plans for, and if they're really special, you have an expert that's guiding you through that process. And so we talk a lot about guiding them through the process, but are we? Are we being expert also in the the right amount of time? And you can say, well, then that's not serving my client very well. But if we're structuring our schedule and putting boundaries in place and defining success in new ways for ourselves that allow us to show up as our best, most creative, happy to be there, that we can bring all of our brain cells to their project and help them be entertain their kids, get the best expressions, yeah. do, do all the things that we do best fully. That is the best that yeah. is serving our clients to the best of our ability. And I have to repeat myself on taking ourselves off the tasks that don't require us mm-hmm. because that piece, even though I didn't realize this until I did it, that piece really made my job more enjoyable. Like there was a lot of things I was doing, like aspects of bookkeeping for example, that I was just doing because I thought, okay, I can't, it's easier for me to just do it. I'm not going to like the, anything that was sort of kind of annoying Mm -hmm. and wasn't absolutely necessary for my clients to receive from me only Mm -hmm. I stopped doing. And sometimes that meant like, for example, I was redoing a website and normally I would do that by myself. I paid somebody else to do it. I found someone and I've never done that before. So there's been a few times that it's cost me some money, Mm -hmm. but it's so well spent because The things that I'm able to create when I don't have to do those things are so much more valuable. It's so true. And I would take that down to the personal level of like having a cleaning lady. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know, or a cleaning service, you know, for your home. Having somebody that once a week your house is completely clean top to bottom. Mental health. Like I'd take that before I take a shrink. And I mean, I think you need both, but wow. You know, so there are things that you think, especially when you bootstrapped yourself, you're an entrepreneur. And most portrait photographers have either we've started as a mom with a camera or, you know, it's kind of a low barrier for entry. So we kind of start small and we don't want to get ahead of ourselves and spend big before we, you know, we don't want to crash and burn, but you can get stuck in that mindset of like, I have to do everything and you can't either delegate or pay somebody to do things. But I find the more services that I can get help with and get people, even if sometimes it seems like a little bit of a stretch, it does. It's exactly what you say. It, it frees me up in huge ways because, you know, when you think about something that you don't do all the time, like web stuff, you know, like, okay, you can do it, but like, are you in web development every single day? No, you're not. So you have to like, get back into it, figure out, Oh, no, what were the login and how do I do WordPress again? Yeah. And what was the yeah. thing? And, that. and you got to go like watch the 50 tutorials on YouTube and call yeah. somebody and your friend and whatever. And then before you know it, you've spent way more time. It would have yeah. been so much cheaper if you just paid somebody to do it. Same with graphic design. Same with there's a million. Th- For me, it was retouching. I yeah. can touch, but I don't love it. And there are people that do love it who are yeah. so much better than I am at it. 
So that needs to be done. So for, and I don't, I don't know what, I mean, I kind of know what yours are, but for me, I feel like I need to consult. I need to shoot and I need to help the clients in the sales appointment to help them to prepare for that. So, you know, design the walls and design the album and then present that to them and work with them on making those decisions. Anything other than that, I want somebody else to do that. Yeah. Those are mine too. Yeah. Those are mine too with communication in between. Like that's something Mm -hmm. that I did not leave enough time for before. Mm -hmm. And I really see the value in that. So So uh, like what kinds of communication, just so people know. Like the day I'm signing the map for their photo, I get my studio manager to take a picture and I send it off to them. Like, we're just about to send this to the framer. It looks gorgeous. Or before the session, just checking in on clothes. Do you have everything figured out? Do you have any questions? And they always do. And of course, my the big new part of my process, which is making sure that we are very clear what we're putting on the wall. And if we're not clear, doing back and forth until we get clear and then giving them an exact quote of how much what we're doing is going to cost. That is a game-changing part of my process that I didn't even have time to think about doing before. Yep. And I would never go back. Yeah. So um, the other thing I wanted to point out is when you're talking about like how much time these extra things take, like it's a mind shift in the scheduling because now, like I said, I mean, ideally, sometimes my three days a week are full days now, depending on how my child is doing. Mm-hmm. But I do really try to only work three days a week, every week. So in the past, my calendar would just look like block, 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 block. Like it was all full, right? Right. right. And that to me felt good. Mm-hmm. So now my calendar looks like, first of all, there's two days that are empty because I'm not coming in. Right. And then the other three days, there's a few blocks and there's a lot of open space. And that open space is honestly where magical, great things happen. Do so tell. I, so in the past, when there was open space, I would sit there and go, okay, what, what have I not finished? Oh, okay. Oh yeah. Let me just pick up this file and look at these promotions I was thinking about six months ago and see if I like, whatever, like I would just mm-hmm. come up with picking up back burner items. Now what I do is I go through and look at every single lead that I have and client that I'm currently working for. And I think about all those people and think, what can I do for them right now? I do that all the time. Mm, I just go into my, my, uh, like I use tab a mm-hmm. and I have them and, you know, I've got like the book job section section, and then I've got the lead section. So Tave is your client retention manager or is that CRM program? Yeah. Is that what that stands for? Okay. Sorry. I just want to make sure people knew what that I was. I don't know what CRM stands for, but it is that. Yes. Something like that. Client and management, all, yeah, client relationship all, management. That's what it is. Client relationship yes. management. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I, I use it for everything, including our workflow. And I just go through and look at every single client that's on my plate right now, either because they're a lead or because I'm currently working with them. And almost all, I do that all the time, like several times a day, almost always there's something that pops up. Oh, I forgot to tell them that. Oh, I forgot. I was going to ask them this and I didn't. Oh, I never heard back from them about this. So those things, those things just don't happen when you're busy, like back to back. Or when I'm doing the bookkeeping and I'm also, you know, moving, like I even have, this isn't something I would have thought about before, but if I, we only have one parking spot. So yes. <laughs> we need to move out of it when clients are coming. I get my staff to move my car. Yeah, That's, that's 20 minutes. That's even sometimes half an hour. Yep. So, you know, it's not, it's not like I'm, you know, having them be my minions. It's like, I need to give my time to the highest level, most valuable right. stuff happening. Yeah. Those are well-paid. 
and car movers that you're having. Yeah. But I never would have done that before. I wouldn't have done that. I would have just been like, Oh, time to move my car. Like just, you know, Oh, I'll just spend my time any way that pops up in front of me. And now I'm way more intentional about how I spend my time. So I, I do feel like there is so much value in that because I catch balls that got dropped. I catch, you know, unfinished thoughts that I never followed up on with them. I catch the fact that, Oh, wait a second. I never got her kids' names. Mm -hmm. Let me just reach out real quick. Mm -hmm. And it allows me to provide better and better service. Because service is not just about that first phone call and the day I see them in the session. Service, there's so many more aspects to it that we can, there's there's more to polish on that diamond. Yeah, it's you a know? relationship and, ho- yeah. and hopefully a long-term one that you need to invest in regularly. Yes, absolutely. I love that. Have you seen the Netflix documentary Inside Bill's Brain about yeah. Bill Gates where he's talking about they have his, I don't know if it's the CEO of Microsoft or whatever, but uh, she's talking about Mr. Gates realizes that time is the most valuable commodity that he has right? because they're only 24 hours in the day. And then kind of how he structures his year and, oh, it's so good. I gotta rewatch that. I remember that. It's so good. Yeah. I love the little, the little refrigerator with the diet Coke in it on his, in his little cabin on the, on the lake, you know, up there, you know, and his reading and how he takes like a couple of weeks have to read all these and he's constantly reading. But anyway, I, that just made me think, you know, that we do that and we've heard it, it's trite. We've heard it a million times, but the reason why we've heard it a million times is because it is true that there are the, the great leveler is time. We only, yeah. you know, yeah. there are lots of people have different amounts of money, but people, and we have jobs I would submit and our very, very best clients are buying time. We're helping them to not have to worry about we're, we're taking care of this process from beginning to end for them. And that's our highest and best use, I think, it, you know, with, with what we're doing, helping them design and beautiful things for their home and their families. I shoot some corporate work sometimes. And I had the opportunity to photograph this super successful local business guy. And while I was photographing him, I was like, hey, you know, since I've got you in front of me for 20 minutes, can I ask you some business questions? <laughs> like, I knew he would love to talk about that. He was like, yeah, sure. So I said, what grabs your attention when you've got an inbox, an inbox full of emails? Like how, you know, which ones do you decide to read? Because I have trouble sometimes getting the attention of my high level corporate clients that are usually family portrait clients, but in their high level corporate jobs, they're too busy to read my emails. Right. You know, so I want to know. That's a good question. And he said, he said, well, you know, you know what I like when people do? I like it when they give me a a sense of how long that email is going to take for me. So like question for you, like in the subject line, question for you, three minute read, you know, or examples like that. I was like, Ooh, good idea. So that made me realize, you know, these people, and I had, you know, more to say with him and he gave me more information, but it really made me realize that really busy people think in increments of like small amounts of time. Yeah. And why aren't I doing that? Mm -hmm. You know, so I looked at, so that's when I looked at scheduling phone calls with my clients instead of just, Oh, I'm going to try and call them and leave a message. Oh, they call me back. I'm in the middle of something, but I'll talk to them. We stopped doing that. And we would, every call I have with a client is scheduled every single one. So we'll have, you know, my studio manager say, Catherine needs to have a, a five to 10 minute phone call with you. Can you do it at this time, this time, or this time? And then I know, okay, I'm having a 10-minute phone call in an hour. So I'm Mm going to do that. And and it really allows me to like have my time for myself. I'm not going to be interrupted. I can think about or, you know, address this issue that I want for one hour. 
And then I need to get ready mentally for this phone call that's coming in. And it just really helps me to streamline, you know, the way I'm using my brain and organizing my thoughts. Yeah. Because being caught off guard by a phone call is totally different than knowing you're going to have it. Right. Being prepared. Well, oh, and I, and that's where we do take a page from the boys, right? And what can hurt us as girls, as women is that we are as, and as moms, you know, we're used to being available 24 seven all the time. Yeah. Open a vein. At the mercy. Yeah. At the mercy of whoever might need whatever. whatever I'm just a resource for everybody who needs everything. And, and when you're in the business, especially a soft skill, like what we do, it's very touchy feely levy. And we fall in love with our clients. We become friends with them. And then when they have a need, we want to respond to that immediately, but that's not always the best way for sure for us. And it's really actually not the best way for them. Cause like you said, if somebody's just getting a hold of you and you're like rolling on the floor shooting a session, but you answer the phone, I hate it when people answer the phone. This is okay. Can we just have a side note sure. here and yeah. talk about a pet peeve when people answer the phone and they're like, hi. And then you're like, hi, do you have a second to talk? No, I'm, I'm just walking into an appointment. Then why are you answering the phone? Okay. So sorry. That's that. Like, I can't miss anything. I can't lose out. That's that. And earlier on, I used to do that as well. Like it's, it was a few years in before I was like, yeah, the the phone is going to be got by the machine until I'm available. I just was too worried about missing out on something. Yeah. It's so true. And so, uh, yeah, we all, we go through our FOMO, our FOMO young adult, and then, you know, open the vein mom years. And now it's, we kind of like got to figure it all out. But I, I love that. I love being able to also let the client know. I think that's super valuable to either in the subject line or as your employees are making those appointments to giving them an idea, even if it's an email too, we'll say, you know, we, we typically set up three appointments, a consultation, which is about 45 minutes yeah. to an hour. A session is typically 45 minutes to an hour. And then your view and order appointment is about, is we set aside 90 minutes for that, you know, so they know how to plan their life. Yeah. Yeah. I, I find that I'm rarely able to get all three of those appointments lined up, like at first contact, but I think that's like, that's, that's something to shoot for right there. <laughs> yeah. I, Cause then there's less back and forth and less, yeah. Oh, it's another appointment we need to have you in for, you know, Oh, right. it's another thing I need you to get back to me about. Like I, I like so true. the same with the other thing that I do with re- especially really busy, mostly executive clients, which I have a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, or doctors even more. Doctors are the worst. Yeah. You've got them. For they, I feel so bad minute. for them. They have no life. They're like the word the scheduling a NASA shuttle launch to schedule yeah. a doctor. So we keep an open draft to a person like that until we have like four or five items. And then we put it all in there with headings. Okay. Yep. So that it's not a ton of, oh, can I, I got to tell you this. Oh, one more thing. Can you pay us for this? Yes. Oh, you know, don't forget this. All in there with headings, day of your session, a week after your session, you know, open items we still need from you or whatever. I'm just, yeah. but it's, it's got underlined bolded headings and it, you know, a few items for your approval. 10 minute read or five, it's never a 10 minute read, <laughs> five yeah. minute read so that they're really clear. Like, okay, that's an email that needs a bit of my attention. I'm going to wait until lunch to open it or whatever. But I, I feel like that is respectful to their time For and sure. also has a higher, you know, likelihood of being read and answered properly. <laughs> yeah. So I love that. We you know what we need. We need to do a future podcast. We need to do about like client communication wording because we're so big on that. You and I both love to like yeah. dig in on that. I think that would be a really good one to do in the future um, on that. But I, I think it just even touching on it here, 
that's communicating your respect for their time. And then when you're able to say, or your employees are able to say, oh, Catherine's not available on that day, but I do have this day, then they're not, clients are not going to be mad that you're not available. You're just not available. Do you get mad at your attorney or your surgeon that they can't book you on Friday at midnight? Like, no, they, you just book the next time they have available. There's no shame or you're not a slacker. You're not a loser and you're not going to offend anybody or ruin their life that they can't because I don't think there's any emergencies usually in portrait photography. Absolutely not. Zero emergencies. Zero emergencies. I mean, unless there's like a in our own mind. Sometimes there's an old dog or a you know, an older family member or whatever. But other than that, I mean that's very that's very, very rare that we have anything that is an emergency. So and we can always make exceptions for those things because we have enough time and bandwidth that we've carved out of our schedules for self-care, for cleaning of house, whatever, and we're able to be there. Okay, so to come full circle back to where we started. Yes, we love to have a full calendar. We love to be in demand and we love the phone ringing, but those are not the only measures of success. And in fact, um, having more meaningful, longer term relationships with maybe less clients, but more ideal clients who totally get what we do and love what we do is I found much more satisfying, much more meaningful. Absolutely. We aren't for everybody. Not everybody wants what we do and that's okay. You know, we just want the people that do want what we do and that, and we can just love up on them and make it special and then give ourselves the grace and the time to pursue the things that we love in our life. Any last thoughts on that? I think that's all well said. I mean, I feel like, I feel like we left it all on the floor with this one. Well, the thing that I've noticed with you just watching this journey, I think we watch each other's journey. And I think one of the things that I love about our friendship is that we were witness for each other's struggles and successes. And also thing that's so valuable is that you will tell me truthfully things that you see where you think I'm going wrong or where I'm going right or whatever. And one thing that maybe I don't know that I've told you is that I've watched you go from that panic to, no, I have to work every weekend. That's when my clients want me to shoot to, oh my goodness, this health crisis with my husband. How am I going to do this? I still have to work all the hours and I have to be there for him to No, actually. And I think use the word during the pandemic is the word surrender. Like you just said, I just have to surrender. There's nothing I can do about this. I, you know, in Canada, you were completely shut down. I just have to surrender. I don't know how this is going to work out. And then to watch you almost like a Phoenix rise out of that. And you didn't rise out of it in a burst of fire, but you rose out of it with daily walks and yoga and mindfulness and therapy and just things that helped you it was such a, a load star for me to follow and watch you going through that because I felt like I, I mean, how many times did I call you? What was that? What was that nighttime tea or drinking or whatever, you know, <laughs> you would help me do all of that. And, and so it's just, thank you for being my friend and for showing me what it looks like to walk through hard times and difficult times with grace and beauty and come out the other side, still successful, still a successful businesswoman with an amazing business that's still in business and still intact and still supporting your life and your dreams, but also a whole human being. Thank you, Allison. I'm going to make you cry. Well, you make, we always make each other cry. So, (laughs) all right. Thanks. And we'll pick up that other podcast on words in a future episode. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Thanks, Catherine. 
You can find more great resources from Allison at dotherework.com and on Instagram at do.the.rework. <laughs>